welcome to the Tech Trends Podcast, where we discuss the latest manufacturing technology research and news. I'm Benjamin Moses, the Director of Manufacturing Technology, and I'm here with... Stephen Lamarca, AMT's Manufacturing Technology Analyst. Steve, how are you doing today? How was your week? Doing awesome. A bit tired today. We had yeah. a, uh, as you know, we had a fun night last night with our uh, happy hour. That's and right. Yep. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. We were saying before we started the recording here, you know, it was a shame we didn't record it last night because, <laughs> and even though we didn't have that many participants, um, barely any actually, but uh, um, it was a good conversation between you and I and Will. And uh, I feel like it would have been solid content for the podcast. But yeah, the, I, the audience missed out. We talked about subtractive manufacturing and some uh, different materials that we cut our teeth on. And uh, oh, yeah. I didn't get into why or how many machines I've crashed in the past. Maybe we'll save that for another happy hour. Yeah, definitely save it for another happy yeah. hour. That's my favorite question to ask people. <laughs> how many or what have they crashed into? <laughs> yeah, what you what you crash? What would tell me about your first machine tool crash? Yeah, you know, people one. love talking about those, like their yeah. first crash. There's some uh, interesting things uh, happening now in the consumer market. Before we get into some uh, manufacturing tech, uh, the first one oh, yeah. is phones on top of phones coming out. Phones on top of phones. I think the the most recent shenanigans that I've heard is, first off, you know, it, most of us are still in the middle of this pandemic. You know, a lot of people are still working from home. Right. More and more people are being are, are being let out of their house lately. Um, you know, won't get into whether it's the right call or not, but, uh, um, you know, there, there's definitely more people out and about now. Sure. You know, the even though we're still technically in a pandemic. But for the most part, a lot of people are still working from home. A lot of people are still keeping their distance. And um, especially, you know, people like you and I who are still working from home, no need to upgrade my phone because number one, you know, we were, Ben and I are both on uh, Google Pixel 2s, even though the 5 is about to drop. <laughs> the Pixel 2 processing speed-wise and quality of your pictures and quality of the screen is still so high up there right. that there's really no point to upgrade other than battery life. That being said, talking about battery life, there's no point in getting a new battery for your phone or because, you know, that's one of the main reasons for upgrading phone. It's time to get a new battery because right. either the old one's shot or, you know, it's battery technology advances. Sadly, battery technology doesn't advance enough to keep up with the computing power that yeah. goes into modern phones right. and, you know, the resolution of the screens that goes into modern phones and whatnot. Um, but regardless, you know, batteries deteriorate with age and not just to lose their charge. And that's the primary reason a lot of people, I would think, upgrade their phone. Right. No sense in upgrading <laughs> your phone to replace the battery if you're constantly sitting near a charger all day. Uh, that's right. And it's funny, I was going to uh, ask, a lot of our staff uh, lives in apartments uh, near the facility or in the city. And yeah. if you're in a small apartment, I wonder if you actually disconnect your phone from the charger. I do. <laughs> do you? Okay. In, in, in fact, I actually... Um, forget to plug it back in oh do you really enough but i'm but i'm around so many other mobile devices that yeah. my, the battery actually wears away slower yeah um and i noticed since you're on wi-fi more that it feels like it's burning or it uses the power battery oh yeah uh, less than on uh, cell a network. solid wi-fi connection helps yeah uh as opposed to jumping from cell tower to cell tower yeah I, but, I, um, I like to stretch my phones out as long as i can for sure and yeah. i think you know i i think covid's made that really easy <laughs> you know and but then you know we're talking about that, Apple has the audacity <laughs> to come out with a new phone. Sure. And they even doubled down in that Apple's new iPhone 12 doesn't come with earbuds, which isn't a big deal. They haven't come sure. with earbuds for a while. They don't even come with an uh, a headphone jack, jack yeah. anymore. So, <laughs> I mean, forget it. Why? Why would you even expect that? Right. Um, but they're not the the new 12 is co not coming with a charger. And now, of course, Apple is going to say that the new 12 isn't coming with a charger so they can put it in a smaller box sure. to reduce packaging waste and to so they can 
reduce the amount of chargers going in circulation to prevent electronics waste. Yeah. It's like, yeah. if you really wanted to prevent electronics waste, you wouldn't come out with a new phone. <laughs> the incremental because you change. know the previous phone, which <laughs> yeah. came out three months ago, That's right. is still relevant and good enough. That's right. Um, clearly, uh, for you know, omitting, uh, including the uh, the charger is a money-saving technique, a cost-cutting sure. Sure. Uh, technique that will not reflect upon the consumer. <laughs> if anything, the phone will get more expensive. Yeah, it's probably yeah. It is. It is getting more expensive, and you get less. You get less. So it's, it's the. I mean, don't get me wrong. Porsche has been doing that for sure. years, and it's it's working with them. <laughs> you could get a nine eleven GT three, or you could spend like another hundred thousand dollars and get the nine eleven GT three RS. Yeah, and it's lighter weight. But how do they make it lighter weight? You don't get air conditioning, and you don't get a radio. You don't even get door panels. Oh, they take off the door cards. <laughs> yeah, they take off the door cards. Instead, you have like a fabric pull tab to open oh, the door. You don't funny. even get a door handle. <laughs> that's awesome. What is your signal to when you decide to upgrade your phone? It's usually the battery. The battery is completely gone. Yeah and, and, yeah, and when I do get out of the apartment, um, I do notice that you know my battery does not last as long. Yeah, um, the battery life has definitely deteriorated a whole lot because. Um, uh, I, I do notice that like, you know, you open up a power hog app, like Snapchat or something like that. Sure. If you have like 17% uh, battery left yep. on an Android, at least, especially an older generation Android, like, you know, a pixel two, um, if you have 17% battery left and you open Snapchat, there is a good chance your phone will shut off. <laughs> <laughs> zip <laughs> done yeah but other That's than awesome. that like the processing power yeah. of the yeah. the pixel 2 is incredible it's insane i was thinking i was trying to do a quick search on what was the first smartphone that i bought i feel like it was like 2005 just before a little uh, a few years before the iphones came out yeah you know the windows based phone with a slide out keyboard um i think it was the htc model but it was fairly thick it was really thick but it was um a decent like size, like the the G one. It might have been. I don't remember the name. The HTC was like the the hardcore person's like phone. A lot of people yeah. had like you know it was it was separated down the middle between you either got an Apple iPhone right or you got the Motorola Droid. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But there were a few like hardware enthusiasts that were like, no, you want the HTC G one or something like that. Because yeah. I remember my first smartphone was the HTC G2 on T-Mobile. Right. That was a great phone. And that didn't have, it had like a swing out keyboard. It was like on yeah, this yeah, hinge. Yeah. And that was a sick phone. The struggle I have right now is with my Pixel 2 is that the phone that I had in 2005 does exactly what I wanted to do today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can, sure, there's nice benefits of a bigger screen. I, I really like a really big screen. That's That's one change, but yeah. And all the progress on processing power on a phone, RAM, storage, so you could debate because they had uh, expandable storage back then. But I don't need that powerful of a phone. I mean, right. I do games once in a while, but I, like, like you said, since I'm home all day, I could just fire my computer and play games on that for a hot second and then jump back to work. But yeah, my, all, my, my, I loved the Pixel 1. Yeah. Um, and you had a Pixel 1 as I well, did. right? Yeah. I loved my Pixel One, but I was I was cheap and didn't go with the uh, um, the increased storage capacity. Yeah, and I regretted that. That's... So when I bought the Pixel Two, right. I made sure to get you know the much larger. I think it was 128 gig storage capacity on the Pixel right. Two, and then as it turns out, once I got the Pixel Two up and running and had all the settings the way I liked it, Google now had the cloud. <laughs> And sto- <laughs> internal storage compa- capacity didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Didn't matter at all. You got outplayed. Yeah, I, they totally <laughs> played me. But I still love that phone, and I'm still using it. So who played who? And it's, it's no, funny because I, I, I still got played. You know, I talk about how I'm not I'm resistant to change on a phone. But the next one I'm really, really interested by is the uh, Samsung Fold. Yeah. Fold okay. It's the world's I, biggest phone. It's massive. <laughs> So you're really gonna invest in a folding screen? Um, so it's too, it's really expensive for me right now. If they get to like a, a third generation, I might buy it like the second generation. Just it's, it's okay. too expensive for me now. But I really, 
uh, the size of the, so I had a, a, a Galaxy Note back in the day. I just love the massive screen. You could do so much on there. Gotcha. If they included the pen on the fold, uh, I, I would be tempted to buy right, it right now. So I'm like I'm like the opposite of you. you like I think phones are too big now. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I want all the processing power. I want all the RAM. You know, I want the awesome camera. Don't need a physical keyboard. That was that was something that played a lot of people. Yeah. That uh, people. Some people I know. Or like I, I need a phone with a physical keyboard. That's why I didn't go with the iPhone. And right. then it's like nobody no, has a physical keyboard anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right. We also talked about uh, uh, consumer goods and oh yeah, true bottlenecks. You know, you, you and I have been talking about uh, uh, AMD and uh, Nvidia yeah, releasing a bunch of new products, and we how- haven't been able to shut up about <laughs> AMD and Nvidia's uh, you know latest gen GPUs. Right. And you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, buzz about well you can't even utilize the nvidia um, rtx 30 series if you don't have one of the latest motherboards because the N- nvidia rtx 30 series is best utilized um, or you get maximum utilization out of it if you have pcie gen 4 sure. and pci gen 4 motherboards like came out this year right right so if you have like a two a, a two-year-old motherboard and you're thinking, oh man, I'm going to get ahead of everybody. It was good, smart of me to skip a generation <laughs> in graphics cards. No, it wasn't. You need to buy a whole new computer now because your motherboard's going to bottleneck it. Yep. I, I don't. Marketing has played me so well because <laughs> I've actually there've been a few times, a handful of times, uh, you know, within the past month where I've been thinking about, dude, I'm going to get, I'm going to get the latest uh, RTX 3070 when it comes out. Yeah, I'm like it. The RTX. The RTX 3070 is the latest GPU for me. Right. And I keep forgetting that I practiced, uh, I did a little bit of tinkering and overclocking Mm -hmm. with my RTX 2070 Super that I have now. Right. And that card is overpowered for my setup. (laughs) It's not the bottleneck at all. There is no point in upgrading that when everything else is holding it back right now. That that is a very good point. All the reviews that are everything that I've read so far that, you know, if you're looking at stuff to buy right now, which is quite the funny dilemma because the companies have um, supply chain issues or supply issues because apparently so many people are buying it. But right now, most games are not running 100% of the GPU utilization. It's another yeah. bottleneck. It's either CPU utilization or some other bottleneck in the system. So upgrading right now make, doesn't make any sense, which boggles my mind. Why is it running out of video cards? But it's you're just stuck in the hype of it, right? You just stuck on one. The graphics right. cards look really, really cool. So a lot of people are like, "Ooh, this is a shiny new object. Let me buy yeah. this right now." Everybody loves new metal. Everybody loves, and and I'm such a uh, I'm so happy that I started doing more research recently because uh, next year uh, I'm going to do an upgrade. But I'm so happy that uh, I've been able to stretch my fourth gen CPU. Dude, uh, that's impressive. <laughs> No joke. I keep I keep telling people whether it's like you know the people I game with at night, mm-hmm. uh, or you know Sean and IT that you know Ben's on a fourth gen <laughs> Intel i seven. And I think is uh, it? The, would you say it's the bottleneck of your system? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So I've done some okay. uh, benchmarking. So um, uh, I recently, as in like a couple weeks ago, upgraded my monitor. So I have a four K monitor that could oh. run sixty hertz, and right. it has FreeSync built in, so it can run lower and match the same frame rates uh, coming out of the video card. So shit. That's sick. Yeah. So I'm really happy with that. And I'm really happy with 60 hertz. I don't need anything more than that. But yeah. with the current graph uh, system that I have, I did uh, I did upgrade the graphics card two years ago to a GTX 1080. Um, great card. Great card. But the CPU is now the bottleneck. So I'm running like 110% CPU max at, you know, 99 degrees before, just before thermal throttling. And, you know, the CPU, the GPU is at like, 20 25 percent low <laughs> yeah that's a two gen generation old <laughs> gpu and you're not yeah because i think i think the last time we were talking when we were blabbing about gpus i, I mentioned that um you know supposedly uh the rtx 20 series you know with the turing the nvidia's uh turing architecture yeah was the first um ray tracing capable gpu right and then they quietly released like you know a year later, some driver updates for the GTX uh, 10 series. That's right. I was like, oh, by the way, the GTX 10 series, 
that's also capable of ray tracing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about. So I've gotten into RC cars. I'm, I'm back <laughs> Dude, into it. Such man. children. I'm such a child. I love it. Uh, so last year I did a test. I think uh, like $150 RC car is the best entry into RC cars. It's a good like um, ready to build, ready to run uh, RC car. So it usually comes out the box. Out the box. You just pick it up. You may have to charge the batteries. It may even come with a charger. It comes okay, with this remote. is electric. Yeah, it's all electric. Oh no, yeah, yeah. I'm not going. I'm not going nitro or gas. That that's for <laughs> RC nerds. Those guys are out. I think it's sick. Uh, so. I got in that last year just to try it out to see if I'm enthusiastic about getting into it and how often I'll use it. So, you know, uh, when I first bought it, I used it like every day. It was an off-road one. I went in my backyard. I could take it in the front yard. I could just, I could just charge it and or charge it the night before and it'd be ready to run. Uh, for for just so everyone knows how powerful it is, the battery packs on. It's a two pack, uh, but both of them combined are roughly four AA batteries. So that's around the you know the size that you would put into the car, and that gives you a scale yeah. of the motor, right? So it's a maybe twelve inch long uh, RC car, and I use it quite a bit. Uh, actually, I I use it so much I think I broke the front, or I broke the center differential. So it was all wheel drive. Now it's oh. kind of front wheel drive biased, biased, uh, biased, um, and it doesn't do too well on the road because it just spins the front wheels, and then so I think it's on its way out, and I and I have beat the hell out of that. That's car. interesting. Front wheel drive. Oh, a front-wheel drive off-road car. Wow. It's not that pleasant. I, mean, it, I, I just, I, I can't even fathom a front-wheel drive RC car. Yeah, yeah. You know, growing up, first off, growing up, $40 got you a premium RC car. Right. $20 got you one that was excellent and good <laughs> enough. And yep. <laughs> Ben's coming out swinging. I'm coming out swinging. Best so. RC cars, 150 bucks <laughs> out the box. So 90 I- mile an hour top speed. 60 <laughs> mile an hour on the road. <laughs> so I've had that $150 car about a year and I beat it up. It's it's on its way out. The re- replacement parts are plenty, so you can find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so cool. That's that's the best part about that 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 uh, specific car. But I'd used it so much I was like, okay, I think I want to get a car that can do a little bit more on road. So I okay. looked around and I found a one that was just being released and I bought it and for scale uh, the battery packs on this. The, so it's two battery packs also. But oh, wow. it's roughly twenty AA batteries. <laughs> so just for a matter of scale, of how big it is, it, the car itself is twenty-seven inches long by twelve inches wide. It's a one-seventh scale car labeled, so one-seventh, one-eighth, one-sixth, somewhere on there. Uh, but right out of the box on the road, with the gearing that is set to and the battery packs that I bought with it, it goes sixty miles an hour on the road. So I'm in my neighborhood that has a speed limit of 25 miles an hour, zipping past my house at 60 miles an hour. <laughs> this thing is outrageous. I, I'm just, I'm blown away by how powerful this thing is. And it comes with a gear that you can change out on the motor that'll crank it up to close to 90 miles an hour. That's it's absurd. This a little is, bit of slower acceleration, but a higher <laughs> yeah, top speed. It, it it just blows my mind every time I fire this car up, which is almost every day. That's um, sick that you can adjust or change the uh, the the final drive ratio. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's such a good experience. Uh, anyone that's on the fence about getting the RC cars, there's a get scud missile on wheels. <laughs> it's not an RC car. I took it to a park nearby, and I was driving in the driving in the parking lot there, and I was uh, I took it all the way in the parking lot, and then I was driving back, and I didn't realize how long the braking distance was. So I got on the brakes and it was way too short and it slid underneath my car. <laughs> it was in the middle of my car. It's a you know BMW 1 Series. So it slid underneath my car and it's low enough that it got wedged there. I oh, could, no. <laughs> I broke some of the front fairings. I just obliterated the top of the car. Uh, Hopefully I didn't it didn't get like, pinned underneath like the catalytic converter no, or something no, like no. that. It would catch have, fire. It would have just melted. That would it. just be lovely. <laughs> well, how do you explain that one to your, uh, to, to your insurance? <laughs> yeah. But man, um, it's so much fun. Dude, you should definitely bring that to uh, the AMT Halloween that oh, we're yeah. having on yeah. the rooftop of uh, the garage outdoors so we can uh, responsibly socially distance. Yeah, if I come. I think that's going to be fun. Yeah, we'll see. You should dress your RC car up like a spider <laughs> and just chase people with it. All right, let's get into some articles. Speaking of uh, cars, you got, I think you got a, a good one on... Uh... Oh, yeah. Um, well, so a while back, you actually mentioned that uh, that American supercar company, well, this, this guy probably... This pretty wealthy dude who decides, you know, he wants to make this fancy hypercar. Sure. And, you know, when we first talked about him, you know, months ago, it seems like, um, you know, he was really serious. Like he yeah. 
bought a advanced manufacturing facility to produce his dream car. And fast forward to now, well, yesterday, actually, um, Donut Media, one of my favorite YouTube channels, um, that's definitely gearhead oriented. And, you know, even though they do a great job on educating and explaining some of the latest technologies, you know, that, that channel is typically geared to be entertaining um, and, you know, cater to uh, not necessarily, you know, the ivory tower academics. You sure. know? It's, it's sure. at the end of the day, it's, it's a car channel for gearheads. Right. Um, it's entertainment. But their video that they released uh, yesterday um, is on the Singer, spelled C-Z-I-N-G-R, mm-hmm. uh, 21C, which means 21st century. And um, they're just talking about the title of the video is AI designed this car. <laughs> and I was actually really impressed by Donut Media because they got into they got into the weeds of like actual advanced manufacturing techniques and not even advanced manufacturing techniques, but but they got into uh, transformative technologies in our industry today um, by saying that, you know, AI designed this car and the car is like mostly like, I I don't want to throw a percentage out there, but the car's mostly um, additively manufactured. And they even said additive manufacturing. They didn't throw out 3d printing. (laughs) They actually use the term additive manufacturing, which I give a kudos to anybody who says that over 3d printing. Um, just because I think it's an overplayed, uh, not vaporware, but it's just, you know, lowbrow consumer term. Sure. And, you know, if you want to be taken seriously, you say additive manufacturing. Uh, but if you want to get noticed, you say 3D printing, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know, they say AI uh, designed this car, and I'm really hoping AI plus additive to me sounds like generative design. Are they going to throw that? Right. And they they didn't say anything oh. about it, but that it doesn't matter. That's right. They did enough. Yeah. They, they, you know, they did my heart well to uh, talk about that, but it was just cool that they brought up that car again. Sure. And it seems like this, this, this guy with his uh, advanced manufacturing facility is really serious about making his dream car. That's he only makes one and it's just for himself <laughs> with like four uh, uh, U S government road test models for, right to be crashed more power to them. <laughs> you, you know, know there's no better way to say you have a one-off car right. to flex your your massive amounts of money your three commas <laughs> in your bank account than creating a one-off car that you made that you bought a a advanced manufacturing facility right. just to make one car so for you that's that's the one off that's a flex man <laughs> that's a big nobody else can do that <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny that um uh when you start something from new, when you don't bring any of like previous history, there's there's some risk in that. But being able yeah, to start, the guy's like a bicyclist. Yeah, <laughs> but you're able to start a manufacturing process or facility from brand new. You can really you can implement some really interesting technology. So like bringing in all the additive processes. That's a good point. And yeah. being able to use AI uh, for their design and uh, uh, for their designs for their processes. Yeah, you don't so, have to worry about the whole implementation into yeah. your current uh, production yeah. line. And it's dare I say, you know, legacy manufacturing technologies are a bottleneck to transformative technologies. Yeah, but it could we be. don't want to get yeah. in. We don't want to hurt any feelings. <laughs> no, and and to be fair, I mean, I think having money as a buffer for time kind of helps too. So if you're in different environment where you had a firm deadline, you know, you'd go with more proven technologies, more proven yeah. processes. You know, starting something from scratch, you have to verify, validate the design every step of the way, and that's that's time consuming. So, you know, sure. having having that buffers uh, helps a lot. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to see that. Uh, you know, they're getting to some more technical content, um, and yeah. it was a good good step for them. Uh, the next article yeah, I noticed for sure. The next article I have is about the digital twin, uh, and it's an interesting article that uh, gets into some of the uh, three main areas that companies can benefit from. Uh, uh, the digital twin. So first off, uh, the digital twin is just a virtual representation of a real object, right? So you could say the 3D CAD model I made of uh, this coffee cup is a digital twin, right? That's, right, you could. You could, right? That's We'll say that's the most foundational level of saying I have a it's digital twin. It's not wrong. Yeah, correct. Let's put correct. it that way. Now, I think in today's environment, what we're doing is matching up how the object behaves in the real world with how it's represented in the virtual world. So now they're adding behavior or 
data to represent that if it's moving or if it's um, if it's collecting data or if it's transmitting, if it's working. Um, and that's more of a current uh, definition of the digital twin, right? So it's you have yeah. your uh, uh, we'll call it a uh, a car. I have a digital twin of a car. I have a 3D model. But now I've got I'm adding data to how that car is behaving in real life. So right. that's uh, that's uh, or we're looking at for today. And it goes over a couple of things. One is the barrier. So they're talking about for manufacturing, how do you represent a digital twin of your either process or the part running through your process? And uh, uh, the key takeaway is that you want it to represent your factory to uh, improve your asset management understand your maintenance for productivity and in the end you want to get your product to your customer on time and on budget so right. they're saying that the digital twin can help you get to that state um, it's not the only way but it's one way sure um, uh, the first thing they talk about are barriers uh, if you're like you mentioned if you have a, a company that's a little bit uh, with dated it infrastructure that's probably your biggest hurdle right now is that updating your it infrastructure to support the amount of data that you have to transmit and collect is probably your first hurdle, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And that doesn't mean you immediately have to adopt 5G. That's right. That's know. right. Just upgrading <laughs> your other things. Upgrading your switches, making sure you have, you know, the right uh, Cat 6 cable, just making sure you can get data from one machine, one place to another efficiently. And you have data to stream YouTube videos while you're at lunch. That's, <laughs> that's the key is making sure your machine data is not clogging your YouTube data uh, bandwidth. But the first one is just cost to digitize, digitize the process. So you've got the IT infrastructure, and then you want to. Then the article talks about uh, collection. Um, what data should be included into the digital model? So if you're creating it, and then how you're representing it in the in in production, what data did you want to include in the representation? So if you have a you know mill, a five-axis mill, you know, do you need pressures and temperatures? Do you need uh, speeds and feeds? You know, there's a whole ton of ton of data that you want to understand. And in the end, you have to figure out what what uh, question are you going to answer? Does the data help answer? Right. right. If you start saying, hey, give me everything, that is not a good answer. No, that, that will give terrible. you thousands and thousands of tags, you know, uh, megahertz of data uh, frequency constantly updating into a database, which will probably yeah. get overloaded and you're, and you're screwed. Uh, so the key thing is, defining what data you're going to put into your model in the beginning and what data you're going to collect. Uh, or on the or even, even I think you just said that, what I was going to say, but but uh, more specifically, what 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 is your problem that you're trying to solve? Yeah. What are you going yeah. for? And then you find out specifically, let, let's say that problem you're trying to solve has an equation. Right. You want to find out what variables are in that equation. Yep. So those variables are the data you want to collect. There is yeah. such thing as too much data. There's yeah. absolutely so much such thing as too much data. Yep. Yep. And last thing they talk about is uh, security. So now you've defined your IT infrastructure, you're collecting data, you're transmitting data, but now they're really, really concerned about security. And, uh, you know, in the past year or so, there's been a lot of ransomware, there's been a lot of breaches. Uh, so cybersecurity is a big thing that can be implemented in the early design phase of your factory. So as you're developing architecture of these are my machines, these are data things that we want to tag or collect in the future. Now, as you, as part of the design processes, how do we want to transmit that data safely and securely? Um, and how do you store it and reduce risk of breaches once a twin is implemented? So there's a, you know, the risk of breaches or the risk of, uh, uh, locked data uh in today's uh today's world so that is a the article is a pretty good overview of you know some key factors to help think about if you want to um get some type of digital twin uh as as your factory yeah it's always a good idea to read up and read up on cybersecurity in general so. absolutely uh you've got an article on robots i hear that robots oh, are getting yeah. a little touchy <laughs> dude okay so um Tech Trends found this awesome article yep. uh, from the website is called uh, thenationonlineng.net, and it's a Nigerian news website. Okay, but uh, and I th I've read a few a handful of uh, articles by this author before. Okay, um, this gentleman's very well versed in law 
and in emerging technology, it's it, especially uh, uh, funny enough, manufacturing technology. Oh. You know, I, don't, I don't typically think of manufacturing technology and uh, law in like the same <laughs> profession for sure. some people, but this dude in Nigeria has got it. And I'm reading this article and it is absolutely not written like, you know, your typical journalist publication. It's written like, you know, a legal document or even um, a political proposal. And it's basically, the title is um, Rights of Robots in Emerging Technology Environment. Interesting. And this was published yesterday. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's a really cool concept. Um, and I'm getting halfway through it and I'm realizing, dude, this guy's serious. Like, this isn't just some journalistic BS. Right. This guy is talking about like, you know, things that we need to think about as a human race um, with the uh, upcoming, you know, the, the adoption and implementation of all these robots around the world. Right. We need to start thinking about the, uh, the rights of robots <laughs> before, you know, AI and robots, you know, rise up and right. have their own civil rights movement against humans. <laughs> and I it just, that, that's quite literally what this article is about. And it's, and it's serious. Like this isn't, you know, some, some you know, Terminator spoof, even though I kind of, <laughs> my mind went to that immediately, right. but it's just, and, and I, I think I, uh, I, I definitely threw it in this week's uh, um, tech report. Yeah. And it just, it, it was, it, yeah, I, it, it's it's a good read. I highly recommend yeah. it. And it's definitely something uh, to think about and something that should be thought about. Yeah, and I think it's a more practical approach to the concept of rights for robots. Because uh, as soon as you mention that, then you'll see that you'll, the picture of like a humanoid robot uh, talking and behaving. That's not what the article is talking about. He's talking about um, different types of robots used in other applications and industrial applications, right? Yeah, in the yeah. workplace. In the workplace, yeah. So you've got uh, autonomous ground vehicles that could be considered robots. You've got single-armed robots. Anything that's acting on your behalf, you know, is considered a robot. So yeah, an a AI software, even yeah, whether absolutely. it's for e e-commerce or yep. you know retail. Um, <laughs> just I I joked saying that you know, for the the future is gonna favor. Uh, you know, those of us who were showed mechanical sympathy. <laughs> so <laughs> sure. if yeah. you were somebody who didn't throw phones, you're probably in good shape. <laughs> I might get in trouble for throwing my old uh, Super Nintendo controller on the ground. For <laughs> Everybody snapped a controller <laughs> yeah. growing up. Yep. Uh, the next article I've got is about uh, <laughs> multi-material for, uh, uh, for additive. Uh, so oh, cool. uh, an additive machine or 3D printer, uh, you know, it could process different type, different uh, materials. So if I've got uh, copper, you could theoretically switch it out to aluminum. You know, you've got to get rid of, but it's all powdered. Um, or you could have a different machine that does wire fed. So you're feeding similar to like welding wire and, uh, you know, melting and growing your part that way. Uh, this uh, machine that we ran across uh, the other day actually has both capability built, built into it. Yeah. So you can feed wire or you could feed powder or both at the same time, theoretically. Uh, and it's fairly interesting. So I, I just wanted to you know, talk about some of the benefits of either or, right? So one of the drawbacks of uh, additive, especially powder bed um, or powder um, uh, fed machines is uh, it gets really good resolution, uh, especially powder bed. Uh, they're very right. accurate. Um, the step over is very small. Surface finishes are pretty good. Um, but the time to grow that part or the volumetric uh, sure. growth rate are fairly slow compared to other processes. That's where the drawback sure. of that of uh, powder fed machines are. And that's where wire fed machines come into play, where you have a larger volume of wire uh, being just shoved into the uh, uh, the melt uh, melt puddle and growing your part that way. But the drawback Absolutely. is it's lower resolution. You have a higher step over. So it, it's a trade off. But, um, you know, it's interesting that you're able to combine both those capabilities in a single machine as opposed to try and get two different machines if you need to grow 
a bigger part or a more high resolution part. Yeah. And, and, and firstly, that article, because I read that as well, it was very well written. Um, and it, it spoke about it was it was very good at uh, getting the reader up to speed on the various technologies that could be found in this single machine. Yep. Um, and, you know, the intricacies of uh, metal additive. Um, but uh, I, I think what's really cool is it was only a matter of time that a machine would come out like this. Like, yeah. I, I don't yeah. think while it's great and it is innovative, I don't think it's that innovative because, um, and I don't mean to sound like I'm talking <laughs> ill about it because sure. this is absolutely necessary. It was a matter of time. This had to happen. A right. machine like this had to come out because you don't want to think about, let's say you have a, a milling machine, like standard size milling machine. Um, does it make sense to buy a five axis milling machine that can only use a one sixteenth inch ball end mill? Sure. No, you want to be able to do a tool change right. from that to like a half inch uh, flat end mill. Yep. Uh, because you know, the, there's not one size end mill to do it all. Sure. You could manufacture, you could cut apart uh, machine apart with only a one sixteenth or one thirty second right. ball end mill That'll the entire part, <laughs> but man, that would take forever. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, why don't you just three D print it? Because it would take just as long. <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're saying you're at a necessity or a game? Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. I agree with that, and, and it's interesting. So, so they they'll start talk about the material form, uh, so you can grow parts quicker potentially. But also, they say, you know, since it. Uh, both of the materials go down the same central axis uh, and they receive, get to the same uh, laser source. Um, yeah, you could really grow, uh, you could uh, alloy materials as you're growing the part. So you could have different wire and different powder. And as melting, you're creating your own, your alloy um, as you're building a part, which is fairly fascinating. I've always been con uh, interested in like bimetal uh, parts. And I think, there's a lot of opportunity. I think we've talked about that for um, knives in past episodes. Where, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you want a harder front edge, but uh, maybe softer back end. Or yeah, you could keep the same same alloy, not even change materials, but the the process of printing you allows you to um, vary would theoretically allow you to vary the hardness of different layers. Yeah. So it's I, I, th I think it would be really cool if um, this is just a random idea I thought of uh, while we were talking about this. Really cool to see, you know, this kind of um, multi-use uh, additive technology in a hybrid machine. Yeah. And if the hybrid machine, you know, when it when it did a subtractive pass with like a, a, an end mill or something like that, right? If the pass was optimized so that the chips were of the right size that the chips could then go through some uh, recycling process sure. and be reused as powder. Yeah. And uh, that would be the ultimate way to save some material. And I was thinking about that also of, uh, on a hybrid machine. I think the wire fed is the way to go because you have the ability to machine off any like low right. resolution area that yeah. you want. So you, you could get away with a, you know, a higher step over or a higher, um, uh, you know, uh, layers, th uh, thicker layers, if you're going to machine that edge anyway. Are there so. hybrid machines that, like, pr print and cut as they go? No. So one of the drawbacks of uh, additive is it's similar to a welding process. So if you're trying to grow part on a previous layer, you need the cleansiness and, um, you know, a rigor of a welding process, which means... You can't have uh, um, coolant or debris or gotcha. anything like that as you're welding. So, think of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe a matter of time. <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got, uh, you mentioned you have an article on CAM. It's been a while since we talked about uh, some CAM. Dude, software. it has. Yeah. It has. Um, was I going to talk about um, the CAM first or the. Uh, the NFL helmets. Uh, either one. Why don't we do the cam first? Let's talk about cam. Yeah. Okay. I, I for, totally forgot our order. That's right. Um, so no joke. This engineering.com published this uh, 
article today, like a couple minutes ago, um, which is great. Uh, by the way, engineering.com's articles I love because before you even start reading them, yeah, uh, there's an option to listen to the article. So if you don't want to <laughs> read or if you're doing some in the middle of doing something else, so that's awesome. Yep. Now, full disclosure, this article by engineering.com, as good as it is, it is a little bit advertising because they're really uh, talking about Verisurf's new uh, cam and CAD cam technology. Sure. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem talking about them. You know, for sure, other companies are mentioned just as much. So, um, but anyway, Verisurf, basically, they're pushing this new um, technology, this new software there's Verisurf 2020. And um, they list out some of the, uh, they list out four features, four really big features for this new version of their software. But two really caught my eye. Um, and those two bullets being updated metrology hardware support mm. and um, the second one being mobile companion apps for iOS and Android. Well, that's cool. uh, let's talk about the first one, though. Sure. Uh, updated metrology hardware support. Yep. This is CAD CAM software uh, that is geared to fully utilize whatever inspection or probing metrology you have and get that into your uh, CAD design. So what's really cool, they even talk about um, being able to use this software to control something like a CMM or right. a, a, a probe That's cool. um, to enhance the quality and surface quality of like a simple STL file okay. of a part you have. So sure. if like, you know, you design a cup or right. a really crude cup and it's all like polygonal and stuff right. like that right. but you actually have the physical copy of the cup that you want to make you can actually use a, a cmm to like measure the cup you want to make and it will edit your crude design as you go wow that's interesting. Um, and so they're really th that first bullet point that i want to talk about this new software by verisurf is really optimizing the uh really geared towards the push for a digital twin right, right um you know you can design something and then you can make it and once you make it it can scan what you've made and then optimize your design based yeah. make your design your digital design more accurate based on the physical thing you just made yeah um that's the impressive. other really cool thing that they started with in the article was uh my last point that i mentioned their mobile companion apps for mm -hmm. ios and android um you know more uh, more and more people these days uh are you know using smart watches whether it's an apple watch or some android smart watch or even you know most people a lot of people don't even wear watches anymore because <laughs> you know if you want to check the time you look at your phone yeah um i i think i'm the only luddite who's still one of the few luddites that's still rocking a, a you know a mechanical watch yep. but um i still enjoy wearing a watch right uh and it, it's it's that weight on your wrist feels nice but yeah. um I digress. The uh, the cool thing that they're showing off is this software. You can also buy like this hardware that's optimized for uh, Verisurf, and it's like a dongle, okay, almost that you hold in your hand as like a technician or as an inspector or as a uh, um, uh, machine tool operator. Sure. If you're meant to to like measure a part, like you put it on your part and you drag it across, like you're scanning it, right? And it sends the data directly to your smartwatch or your mobile device uh -huh. to show you what the measurement is. Wow. So you, it, 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 you know, forget the pencil and paper and yeah. fiddling with calipers as much as I love a good <laughs> pair of Minotoyo calipers. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it's doing it for, even though I got to say, you know, the, the most recent uh, before, you know, we got locked out of the office. Um, one of the things I did buy for the test bed was a really nice pair of, uh, Mitutoyo digital calipers right. that are Bluetooth enabled. So you right. can measure something and it sends the readout to your phone. Yep. This is yep. like that, but in more real time, yeah, yeah. I guess. I really uh, like, it's just, yeah, I really like manufacturing steps to just get rid of pencil and paper. So yeah. like being able to get like run times or data right off the machine. So like if you did any type of continuous improvement project, the first thing you did is baseline your data set. So you would send an intern or your continuous improvement guy with a stopwatch and a notepad and a pencil to go and stand in front of the machine for as long as it's running. So it could be like an eight-hour process. 
he's going to be there for eight hours collecting data. Yeah. And I'm glad we don't have to do that anymore. And <laughs> I'm glad we don't have to have someone just write down in the measurements and uh, have it uh, dig- digitized to your uh, uh, device that you want. So that's, that's you know, amazing. UI and HMI, user interface and human machine interface is a real segment of the industry that uh, doesn't get enough love because sure. it's constantly being upgraded. Constantly. And it's, and it's, it's something that will never be put on the back burner or shelved or anything like that, but yep. it never gets the headlines. And, and this is cool that they're doing something like that. Awesome. Steve, the last article we want to talk about today is additive minefield. We went straight from loving additive and talking about minefields now. Uh, oh, so- man. <laughs> You could you, they could have worded it as like you know threats of additives or, <laughs> yeah. or, or uh, you know weaknesses of additives or some you know, pros and cons and focus on the cons but they straight up went to uh, aerial denial <laughs> area <laughs> denial exactly and, and the underlying theme here is that these are uh, problems that are like beneath the surface problems that you won't see if you're getting into it you know all the stuff that we talked about just now was was the positive stuff of additive yeah who's talking about the negative stuff who's saying uh, you know, the problems with the additive industry. And uh, this article talks about uh, four of them. Uh, they have four uh, four themes. Um, oh, sorry, three themes. One is business planning. The other one is design. And the third theme is post-processing. So the first landmine they talk about is uh, having the right people and resource for collaboration. So the big takeaway here is, um, you know, as you get into it, it requires a certain amount of skill. It's not uh, something maybe uh, you can pick up right away. It's probably something that's developed over time. So identifying the skill level for engineering, skill level for operations, skill level for maintenance. There's a bunch of different tiers that require a certain amount of skill to uh, be productive and additive. And that's the first thing they talk about is, do you have the right people to move forward? And they also mention collaboration. So you know, working with another company or university or school to make sure that the skill is available. Uh, the second one that they talk about is uh, understanding the keys for your return on investment. So how long will it take for you to get your return on investment? So, uh, you know, the, the article talks about the cost of actually building the part um, and understanding how, how often you're going to have to build something to get a return on investment. So I thought it was very interesting uh, and it's very applicable to most companies when they talk about new capital or new technologies they want to implement is understanding the ways that the device can get a return on investment. Uh, and that, I think that's key to understanding that before getting into it. Uh, the last two are conventional, using conventional approaches for development of a- additive processes is a big no-no. Additive is a new way of thinking, a new way of processing, a new way of designing a part. If right, there are it's okay. So if you've got a part and you've got to clean up the surface finish, if you got to drill a hole, if you have to remove it from your base plate, yes, you are going to have to go back to traditional means. You have to go to go back to uh, subtractive manufacturing or other processes that have been around for a while. But using uh, traditional standards to design, design your additive part is going to put you in such a small box that it's almost no benefit. So I think the, the big takeaway here is you've got to open your horizons quite a bit more and decide too, to the original point of, you know, do you have the resources and skill set in-house to have that creativity uh, for, for that growth? Yeah. Um, and the large part is, you know, pretty straightforward. If I grow the part, now I've got to post-process it. You've got, you know, build up material, you've got to maintain your uh, material properties, you have dimensional stability. So there's a lot more that's going to occur to the part, not just grow it, then I put it into my car. You know, you've got to yeah. grow it, you're probably going to maybe do some surface finishing, you could do some hipping, maybe some right. stress relieving. There's a lot of other things. You got to x ray it, you got a CT scan, make sure <laughs> there's no gaps, make sure the porosity is low, make sure the, uh, and you, you may have to do a batch test of material properties. You may have to grow a coupon to have that destructively tested. I know they do, yeah. they do that for castings quite a bit. So there's a lot of a lot of other hidden things that, uh, I, in retrospect, using landmines is probably the correct term here. <laughs> you know, I, I agree with that now. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny that I, I, didn't, I never thought about it, but obviously, you know, additive in a lot of cases is very similar to like casting, as right. you just right. mentioned. And, you know, you and I being gearheads, 
you know, we've swapped wheels on our cars before. And when you're buying, as anybody, you know, getting into cars can tell you that certainly looked at buying new wheels for their car is there's different types of manufacturing processes to buy wheels. And, you know, you've, you're thinking about things like lightweight and strength. um, But you're also, you're looking at your wallet and you're also thinking about, (laughs) well, what can I really afford? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to have three pieced forged wheels, but uh, I don't want to drop $3,000 on one wheel. Right. Um, But at the same time, you also don't want to like just buy some wheels for good looks and find out they're like cast out of like Chinese pot metal (laughs) in some like sketchy factory. And, you know, you shear all of your, uh, your spokes. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be, I'm, I'm looking forward to, I'm, you know, earlier this year when, uh, um, HRE, the Mm -hmm. big wheel company that is more on that expensive side, I mentioned, um, when they made that 3d printed wheel, thinking about it, 3d printing additive manufacturing is closer to cast materials, cast metals. Right. And what scares me about that is HRE's additively produced wheel. You know, HRE is a forged wheel company. Right. They make very nice, expensive forged wheels. And now they have this three uh, additive wheel that's probably in terms of like strength and uh, um, material uh, uh, integrity right. closer to a cast wheel. Sure. In, sure. In, in that respect. So, yeah, I think it'll be these... interesting seeing like that in the future. It's like, well, now, now you can choose between an additively produced wheel, a cast wheel, a flow formed or <laughs> yeah. uh, another option to choose from. <laughs> yeah. And, and then forged and milled. Yeah. You know, it's. And I, I think the current state for those, those type of parts is they're more form than function. So I think the functionality will start coming into play later. And, and, the functionality in uh, additive and automotive is definitely grown quite a bit, but for rims, oh, yeah. it's definitely all about the look. So yeah. All right. That was a great episode, Steve. Where can they find more info about us? Heck yes. They can find out more about us at amtnews.org. Awesome. Slash subscribe, <laughs> please. <laughs> I beg right. of you. <laughs> we uh, need to eat. <laughs> are we done? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Bye everybody. Bye.